Amen. It was in John 14, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The peace and the shalom, the ministry of the Spirit of God. Thank you, ladies, for that. This morning, I would invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Holy Scriptures to Genesis chapter number 4 this morning. Genesis 4. Parents have high aspirations and expectations for their children. Whether we are motivated by pride or by fear or by love, we push and we promote our children in every way, academically and athletically and musically and spiritually, because after all, in, in addition to our general care for the well-being of our children, we also know their success reflects on our well-being. And that was the case with Bill. Bill is the hero of the well-known Rodgers and Hammerstein musical called Carousel. And in the musical, Bill is a man of little character who eventually dies in a robbery. But when Bill learns of the pending birth of his child, he sings a song about his child, Bill Jr. And this is what he says. He says, I bet that he'll turn out to be the spitting image of his dad. But he'll have more common sense than his puddin-headed father ever had. He'll be tall and tough as a tree, Will Bill. Like a tree, he'll grow with his head held high and his feet planted firm on the ground. And you won't see nobody dare to try to boss him or toss him around. And Bill had high expectations for his son, Bill Jr. Adam and Eve had high expectations for their firstborn, Cain. In fact, it was logical for Eve to assume that Cain would be the promised seed of Genesis 3.15, our study last week, the one who would crush the serpent's head. If you look at Genesis 4, verse number 1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. If you have a Schofield reference Bible, you'll notice the literal translation is given there in the marginal note. I've gotten a man, even Jehovah. And so Eve's exclamation in Genesis 4, verse number 1, demonstrates her faith in the promise of a deliverer from the curse of sin. And Eve believed that her son Cain might be the one to defeat Satan per God's promise in Genesis 3.15. In fact, to believe anything else would have been disbelief. But of course, she was wrong. Cain was not the promised seed of Genesis 3.15. And Rather, she would quickly come to understand that Cain, her son Cain, was born as a sinner and then behaved sinfully in this sin-cursed world. And in fact, by the time her second son was born in verse number two, that's of course Abel, she, she called him Abel, meaning vanity or meaning nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Genesis 3.15 um, everyone has been born a sinner, Cain and Abel, and you, and, and me. Now, we can assume that Cain and Abel 
were relatively close in age, for there's no Bible record of anything that occurs between their births. It appears that as brothers, they were also peers. And I'm sure that Adam and Eve experienced the joy of seeing their boys take their first step and say their first words. These were the first human babies, the first human children. And I'm sure that Adam and Eve told them stories of God in the garden. And perhaps they even approached the gate of the garden where the cherubim had been placed in chapter 3, verse 24. And the angelic guard at the east of the garden would have certainly been a testament to all that had transpired in years gone by in the garden before the boy's birth. And as the two boys grew to manhood, verse 2, Genesis 4, verse 2b says that Abel was a keeper of the sheep, And Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in your mind's eye, perhaps with some imagination, you can see the activity of these two boys, these two sons. Cain with a hoe in his hand, the sun beating on his back as he tilled the soil. And then there was Abel up in the meadow talking to his sheep, always keeping a watchful eye for predators. I'm sure that Adam and Eve were proud of their boys, their two sons, and the careers that they had chosen. For Cain and Abel had become productive members of society. But alas, over the course of time, because of the consequences of sin, this first family, the Adam family, if you will, introduced the world to the first false religion. And this morning, from Genesis 4, verses 1 through Verse 15, I I would like to make some observations and present characteristics of the world's first false religion. Specifically, there are three actions and four reactions of false religion that are evident even here at the beginning in Genesis chapter 4. Let's pause for prayer and then we'll study God's holy word. Oh God in heaven above, We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, our helper, who gives us peace, not as the world gives, the peace that can calm our troubled minds and our hearts. And God, this morning I suspect that we've all brought burdens and baggage with us to this service. There are cares and concerns from this past week or or fears and anxieties for the coming week and God, we need the ministry of your Holy Spirit just to quiet our minds and our hearts, to grant us the peace that passes all understanding. So God, as we come to approach your word and we read of the first family and the sin and the the, the violent horror of the, the first murder that takes place in this case and the first false religion, I pray that you would Give us insight and understanding by your spirit. We commit our study to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We might assume that Cain and Abel had been well taught by their parents. We can assume that Cain and Abel knew that there was a God and that sin was an offense to God. We can assume that this Adam family was careful to obey all that God had instructed them in every way, for they had learned a very hard lesson in chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. Genesis 4, verse number 3 now explains that in the process of time, Cain and Abel brought their gifts to worship the Lord. Look at chapter 4, verse number 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their of their fats, 
And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. First, we begin with Cain. Cain was no atheist. Cain believed in God, and so he approached God with his offering of fruits and vegetable produce. And he probably selected the the ripest fruit and the largest vegetables. He probably arranged them in in the most presentable way, a, a cornucopia of all that Cain had accomplished through his own labors as a tiller of the ground. Then Abel came second, and he brought a lamb. No doubt the best of the flock, and I'm sure that Abel built a small altar of stones there to sacrifice the lamb. And we understand this to be natural, for each man brought to offer God what he had. It seems to make sense to us that Cain would have brought fruits and vegetables, and for that's what he labored hard to gain. And it makes sense to us that Abel would have brought a lamb, for Abel was a shepherd. However, the Bible says that God had respect for Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain and his offering. And it begs the question, why? Why was this arbitrary on God's part for him to have respect for Abel's offering and not Cain's? And, and was it the luck of the draw or a mere accident that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was refused? But the Bible answers that question in the book of Hebrews where it tells us that by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Now, how and and where did Abel's faith come from? The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, so we can know that Cain and Abel were not left to their own creativity when determining how to approach God. They had been told by God. In fact, I would venture that the Adam family had a long history of making sacrifices to God as instructed by God. I believe that Adam and Eve would have told Cain and Abel that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness or remission of sin. I believe Adam and Eve would have told their sons of the garments of animal skins that had been made to replace the fig leaves on that terrible day. And perhaps the cherubim instructed them, perhaps God instructed them or in some other fashion, but the Adam family had been given the word of God regarding sin and its demands so that by faith, Abel could obey. Abel believed and obeyed. Cain did not. And so consequently, while they both presented an offering, it was only Abel who presented a sacrifice. One man presented the works of his own self-righteousness, that being Cain. The other presented what God's word required. And so what we have here in the beginning in Genesis 4 is what I'm calling the first false religion. And I would submit to you three actions of false religion. Number one, it's a human solution, not the word of God. A human solution, not the word of God. And the human solution, the man-made approach was twofold. First, good works. Cain's approach was based upon his own effort, his own toil, and Cain brought to God the fruit of the labor um, for for which he had labored, but, but not what God required. And a classic characteristic of false religion is that good works are offered to God that are never required by God. And in most cases, good works take a lot of work, good behavior, or financial giving, or religious ceremony, or denying self, it's exhausting. 
I remember one of my children once upon a time said, Daddy, it's, it's hard to always be so good. It is. It's hard to try to be good, and a bitter pill to swallow is when one works so hard at his works, but then finds that his works are unacceptable, and I think that's the case here for Cain. He worked hard in his works and presented his good works, but they were unacceptable. They were filthy rags to God. And the notion of earning God's favor by a human scheme or human solution of good works is not at all what God's word teaches. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy he saved us. The Bible says by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And then not not only are we saved by grace, we're sanctified by God's grace. Galatians 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you were born again by the Spirit of God. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And the answer, of course, is, is no. And so there's good works. A second characteristic or action of this false religion as a human solution is good gifts. Not just good works, but good gifts. The story is told of the Butterball Company. The Butterball Company set up a Thanksgiving hotline to answer questions about cooking turkeys. And one woman called that hotline and asked if she could use a turkey that had been in the bottom of her freezer for 23 years. The Butterball Expert, if you can imagine that as a a job title, the Butterball Expert uh, told her it would probably be safe if the freezer had been below zero the entire time. But the expert warned her that even if the turkey was safe to eat, the flavor would likely have deteriorated and not be worth eating. The woman said, that's what I thought. In that case, we'll give the turkey to our church. (laughs) Really? No, it, it doesn't matter if you give God a fresh turkey or a frozen turkey. There's nothing that we can give God other than what he demands. You see, Cain's approach to God was an offering, but it was not a sacrifice. Cain brought to God what human reason concluded, what human solution concluded, not what divine revelation required. And the notion that good works or good gifts can merit one's salvation is at the very heart of false religion in every cult in the world. And that is why mankind has always tried to appease the gods with lavish gifts. And this heresy is called in the Bible, this apostasy, it's called the way of Cain in Jude verse 11. On the other hand, the word of God tells us that it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, that cleanses us from all sin. The Bible says that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. It was because because God so loved us that he gave his only son, the lamb of God, for our salvation. We can't give God anything to merit salvation. And so what is illustrated here In the story of Cain, false religion will always be characterized by human solutions, not the word of God. Secondly, by human sacrifice, not the work of Christ. Human sacrifice, not the work of Christ. And rather than being founded on the work of Christ, Cain's offering was focused on a human sacrifice. And I would submit to you that Cain's offering may have been more costly than Abel's offering. 
Cain's offering demanded toil and sweat and hard work and sore muscles. Cain's offering was perhaps hand-picked and arranged into that beautiful display of flowers and herbs and fruits. And the, the minimal experience I have had at gardening leaves me no doubt that Cain's labor was difficult. It was costly. It was a human sacrifice for the Lord. But there was not a single drop of blood in Cain's offering anywhere. For Cain only brought an offering, not a sacrifice. And Cain was willing to worship, but on his own terms. And what he thought was beautiful and attractive and costly to him was unacceptable. Folks, over the centuries, man has exhausted himself and has extinguished himself with self-sacrifice in an effort to please God. But that is false religion. In my office... Among all of the Bible commentaries that I have on my bookshelves, I have a favorite book. And it is called the Guinness Book of World Records Millennium Edition. And I like that book because it has pictures in that book. And uh, <laughs> I like books with pictures, of course. And um, some of the Guinness World Records are, are bizarre. And if you are creative enough, you might, in fact, be able to hold a Guinness World Record. You just have to think of something bizarre and creative that only you can do, uh, something that's never been done before. But one world record that is found there in the book, of course, it's been published a, a number of years ago but now, but it, it was, it's a world record held by a, a man from India. His name is Amar Bharti, and he holds the world record for the longest hand raising. At the time of the book's publishing, he had kept his hand, his right hand raised for 26 years as a gesture of devotion to the Hindu god Shiva. In 1973, he decided to raise his right arm 90 degrees in the air. His fingers have withered into the palm of his hand, his knuckles are white with rot, and and his uh, nails have grown long and twisted. Folks, history is replete with those who have sacrificed themselves in some way, shape, or form to merit favor with the gods. My arm is tired. I'm going to put it down. <laughs> Folks, that is false religion. But many times we are deceived by the very same human sacrifice. I've given so much. I've worked so hard. It's the work of Jesus Christ alone that merits us favor with God. Let's keep reading. Genesis 4, verse number 5, we can continue. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Let me offer you this. Number three, false religion will be characterized by a human satisfaction, not the witness of the spirits. Now, Cain could have stepped back and surveyed his offering with pride. Cain could have thought, look, look there, that, that's impressive. And, and Cain could have said that it's cost me a good deal. I've done my best. I'm satisfied with my performance. But Cain did not have a witness from God, the witness that Abel had, that 
he was accepted. The Lord had respect to Abel and his offering there in verses 4 and 5, but not to Cain and, and his offering. Remember Hebrews 11, verse number 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift. And so not only is false religion a matter of human solution and human sacrifice, but also human satisfaction. And we might be puffed up in pride in our religion, but we are not the ones to satisfy. It is God who must be satisfied, and he is satisfied only with the work of, of Jesus Christ. And the witness there of the Spirit. So not only is false religion characterized by these three actions, there's then also four reactions, I think, that might characterize false religion. If you look at verse number eight now, now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. A reaction now of false religion, I might submit, force by others. For, I'm sorry, force against others. Force against others. And Cain and Abel had a little debriefing after their approach to God. And I can imagine the conversation going something like this. Cain says to Abel, Abel, your religion is disgusting and grotesque and offensive. Your gospel is a gospel of blood and gore. It's repulsive and it costs you nothing. Look at what I did. Look at what I gave. I refuse to believe that my efforts are worthless. But then Cain, whose religion was too refined to slay a lamb, plunged a knife into his brother's chest or took a rock and crushed his head. You see, that's the way it's always been. False religion has been marked by persecution and martyrdom of those who stand for God's truth. I read one commentator who suggested this scenario. Perhaps Cain thought, okay, God, God, you want blood? God, you want a sacrifice? I'll give you blood. I'll give you a sacrifice. And then he murdered his brother Abel. Verse number nine. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? A reaction of false religion is falsehood when accountable. Falsehood when accountable. And Cain, Cain was bold enough to lie into the very face of God. And Cain's insolence was, was incredible. Not only did he lie in denying any knowledge of Abel's whereabouts, he, he seems to rebuke God for the question. And there, there may be even be a sarcastic a play on words here in the text. It, it may be, shall I shepherd the shepherd? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Am I my brother's keeper? And when God asked Cain of the whereabouts of Abel, he lied. And he said, I don't know. Folks, false religion is full of deception and lies and fraud, many times in God's name. Verse number 10, and he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. False religion is characterized by the reactions of force against others, falsehood when accountable to God. Number three, futility in life. Futility in, in life. And of course, God stripped away all of the falsehood and exposed Cain for who he really was. And, and while 
It was faith that made Abraham a pilgrim and a stranger on the earth. False religion made Cain a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And he was a lost man, cursed, who could find no place of rest or peace. And, and while farming may have been difficult for Adam, for Cain it was disastrous. And Cain could no longer be able to sustain himself with his green thumb and his labors and satisfaction would evade him and he would spend his days wandering from God. And folks, I submit to you that false religion leaves people wanting and wandering like Cain. And maybe that's your testimony this morning. Maybe you've tried everything. You've even tried the Baptist church. And you have found religion to leave you unsatisfied and wanting and wandering. And I implore you to turn back to God through, through Jesus Christ, back to a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ as the prodigal son returned back home to his father. And the, the hymn writer really expressed this very experience of the prodigal son. I've copied it for you there on the back of your notes. I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've tried. Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm tired of sin and straying, Lord. Now I'm coming home. I'll trust thy love, believe thy word. Lord, I'm coming home. My soul is sick. My heart is sore. Now I'm coming home. My strength renew. My hope restore. Lord, I'm coming home. My only hope, my only plea, now I'm coming home, that Jesus died and died for me. Lord, I'm coming home. I need his cleansing blood, I know. Now I'm coming home, oh, wash me whiter than the snow. Lord, I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Open wide thy arms of love. Lord, I'm coming home. And yet false religion pushes us further and further away from God, as was the case with Cain. Verse number 13, And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him shall kill him. What's a a characteristic, a response, a reaction of false religion, number four, is fear of death. Fear of death. Cain was afraid of his own demise at the hand of others. He didn't fear God, but he feared others, for there was no repentance in Cain's religion, just resentment. And Cain's religion only brought him fear and, and guilt. And folks, there is a fundamental difference between the Christian faith and false religion. It's demonstrated as one approaches death on their deathbed. The testimony of a believer in Jesus Christ on their deathbed is wholly different than an unbeliever, one who's pursuing false religion and there's fear and anxiety and question and uncertainty, as was the case of Cain. 
I call this the first false religion because it's characterized by these things. But I would conclude by asking us this morning, what of our religion? What of your religion? Does it in any way look like this? You say, well, pastor, I'm not a murderer. Okay, fine. But do you approach God on your own terms? Do you seek God's favor in your own way? Do you think that good gifts or good works will merit you anything? Are you impressed with what you bring to the table? Are you satisfied with who you are? And do you expect God to accept your offering when he has demanded a sacrifice? The sacrifice of shed blood of a lamb. You're here at a Baptist church. The gospel is preached, but may we be careful not to pursue a false religion like Cain. Let's pray. Oh, God in heaven, there may be some here this morning or under the sound of my voice who are religious. Lord, they're, they're good people by many metrics of measurement. But Lord, they were born in sin and they have behaved sinfully. And Lord, what you have required of us is, is a lamb, the shed blood of a lamb, namely the perfect lamb of God, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would draw the unbeliever to yourself and by your grace grant them the faith to believe. May they not err in the way of Cain, but by faith, like Abel, obey your word. So God, I pray that you would make the gospel clear to us this morning as we rejoice in the provision of Jesus the Lamb, in whose name I pray, amen.